It is. Wow, that's loud. Thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, just uh, spend some time with me to allow me to share some things. Hello to all those people online. Hello to Peninsula Hope Church. Um, as Lori said, my name is Stan. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. And uh, I was one of the people who kind of put this series together. And uh, we're, going to, uh, we're going to look at the uh, aspect of heart this morning. And I wanted to, to uh, kind of give some background to that. The purpose of contact is that we make contact heart to heart. So we make contact between each other heart to heart, that we get in touch with our own individual heart, and also that we make contact with God's heart. So actually, uh, the uh, passage that uh, we kind of base this series on is found in Mark 12, and it said this. It says, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? So in this, in this, to set the scene, there's this debate about what's most important. And uh, what happens is that Jesus is in the middle of that debate because he wants them to know what's the most important of all. And so he, uh, one of the scribes asked him, what is the most important? And Jesus answered and said, the most important is that is, is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, or with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like this. You shall love the, your neighbor as yourself. This is, there is no commandment greater than these. So he's, he's setting out certain things of contact. And the order in which he, Jesus listed it was heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor. And so those are areas of contact that we have with each other, with God, and with ourselves. And so that's why we kind of went through this. But the passage movement is from, goes from heart to soul, to mind, to strength, to the outward relationships. And I believe that's what is the normal or the natural way that this uh, happens, is from our heart, it affects our soul, it affects our mind, and it affects this, our strength, and then it affects our relationships with people. But what happens is, in order to get down to what, where our heart is, it's kind of, we have to go backwards. And that's why we, we did this series in a backwards way from the, from the passage. Because we, we started off looking at relationships, 
outward relationships, like Pastor Lori and Pastor Tim talked about uh, trust, about image, uh, basically about how we attach to one another. And then we went to uh, the matter of strength. So where, where do we find our strength? Do we find it in willpower or do we find it in a relationship with God? And then we went uh, to mind, which was about scripture and really understanding things. And then soul, Brian talked about having that as your very essence. And this today we're going to talk about heart which I believe your heart informs your soul, which, and your soul informs your mind, and your mind informs your strength, and your strength informs your outward relationships. And that's the progression. But to get down to the heart, I think you have to go through those other things too. So that's kind of why we went it at the way we did. Let me define heart for you. Heart to me is when you get down to what your very essence is, that's your heart. That heart represents if you were to have nothing, no body, nothing else, what would you view as your existence? And some people call it soul, but I believe soul and heart, the heart informs the soul. I think you can have a soul without a heart, just like uh, in, in mythology and things, you have a, this concept of, bomb, of a zombie, right? Which is basically a body without a soul. So I believe you can have a soul without a heart that's like a zombie soul, that it's cold, it has nothing there. And that comes from what's going on inside of the heart, because I believe the heart is what energizes the soul and causes there to be something there. So let me look at, let me take a passage here, okay? It's a pretty famous passage in Jeremiah 17, and it says this, the heart is deceitful, above all things, and desperately sick, who can understand it? You know, when we think of heart, uh, sometimes maybe in, in Christian teaching, it says we're all sinful, right? That inside of our heart is nothing good. And a lot of people use this passage as a basis for that. But if you look at this, the heart is deceitful. Deceitful is not necessarily where the property of the heart is evil. Deceitful is more about the idea of it being crooked, of something that's bent out of the shape in which it was meant to be. So when it's deceitful above all things, that means that it's all bent and crooked, but you know the essence of it is something valuable and good. And so, and desperately sick. You know, when, when you're out of, uh, when your body is not functioning well, right, you don't feel good. And desperately sick means that everything is out of joint, feels out of joint, feels out of, out of focus, right? That nothing is aligning up. 
who can understand it? When we look at ourselves, a lot of times we say, I, I don't understand me. I don't understand what, I, what, what can I do? And a lot of times we find that we can't do anything. And so then we might go down the road of saying, well, that's just the way I am. That I don't like being an angry person, but every time this happens, I am angry. So that, that must be just the way I am. And what God is offering is something different because the passage goes on to read this. It says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his deeds. See, when God sees a mess, he doesn't run away from it. He runs into it. To search those things is to actually go in and investigate them. And to test the mind is to bring about something of a correct thinking in the way that we uh, want, uh, that brings the things back into the order in which God wanted them to be. And the way we, we see what happens is according to his ways and the fruits, so that we start to see something different resulting from what's inside of our heart. Let me go, let me take an, this next passage that hopefully will make it clear. And it's from uh, Matthew, and it says this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you look at your heart, or you, if you don't know where your heart is, ask yourself, well, what are the things that I treasure most? What are the things I desire most? Because that's where your heart is. And if those things are not what the heart was designed to desire and go after, then that's where the alignment is out of whack. And that's where God wants to be. And just to kind of put uh, get to the end of my message here, you know what God wants as the treasure of your heart? He wants you to treasure him. Because if you think about the heart of God, what he treasures most is you. And so that is where God's heart is, is with you. And where, where he wants your heart to be is with him. And it's in that relationship. So let's look at this a little bit more. It says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasures produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Basically, we, think, we tend to think, well, if I only acted better, I'd be better. So our thinking is, if I can change my behavior, that'll change what's inside of me, and I'll become a better person. And the Bible is basically saying this. God wants to change you from the inside out. That God wants you to be able to, to, to honestly and genuinely love people. Not because 
you know these behaviors are good behaviors, but because that is what you actually are living in inside of your heart. And if that is not the case, that's what God wants to work with you on. Because I said in the beginning, God doesn't run away from a mess. God enters into the mess. And God wants to be in that mess with you. So what does that look like? It says in uh, Matt, Matthew, uh, one of the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What happens as we live in this world is a lot of things are written into our hearts, whether they're by experiences, by people saying things, maybe by what we think, certain ideas that get in our heads. And they are basically impurities, okay? They are not the pure truth of what God has wants to speak into our life. And so as we can get rid of what I would consider lies and really live in truth, then we see God. And then we are pure in heart. And out of that purity of heart, we then can live in a way that is going to be the way that we were designed to be. When God first decided to bring you to this earth, it was not for you to suffer and toil. Do we suffer and toil? Yes. That's a part of living in this world. But that's not God's design. God's design is that through a relationship with him, that we can see that life is good, that life is worth living. And it doesn't have to be a life of survival. It can be a life of thriving. And that's what God wants. But that doesn't happen if we don't have a pure heart because we were designed to live together with God and in that, in that relationship. There's a, another passage in, in Jeremiah that I wanted to look at a little bit. And it's uh, Jeremiah 31, verse uh, 33 to 34 says this. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those de days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and they will be... I will be their God and they shall be my people. So God is saying that he wants to write a different kind of truth, a different kind of narrative, a different kind of story on our hearts than when, than maybe the narrative and the story that we've had living in this world. Because a lot of the narrative in this world is, is, is very broken. There are disappointments. There are things that, that are hard. And what God wants to do is take those things and create a new narrative so that it's no longer a book of sorrow and dismay, but it's, it's a book where the sorrow and dismay are replaced with a book of hope, a book 
that says that I am not defined by what I lack, but I am defined by who I am in God. And who I am in God is someone that represents a treasure of his heart. The passage goes on to say this, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. One of the impurities in my life is the impurity of shame. I grew up believing that uh, my, the expectation of my life to be a good person or to live a good life was not to make mistakes, not to hurt people, to always do the, the kind thing. But as I grew up, that's not the case. In fact, it was easier to do the unkind thing. It was easier to do things that uh, were hurtful to people than it was to do things that were good. And so I started to define myself as a person who's bad. And so I left the church because to me, church represented a place where God loves good people. And that was the message I got, that God loves good people. He doesn't like people who do bad things. And the problem with that was that I had taken on a definition of what love is, that somehow love is, is where you always are in the state of harmony and able to, to be in accord with one another. And that's a part of love, certainly. But another part of love is when things are disjointed, that the, the person or the, the individuals stick with you through those times and stay with you through those times. And to do that, there needs to be an understanding of forgiveness and what it means to remember your sins no more. And that to me is the place where God is, has really been working in my life. Because what does it mean when God says, I forgive you? And it doesn't mean that all of a sudden that I don't do bad things. But what it does mean is that when I do bad things, I don't stay there. I realize that, that that's not who I am and I move forward in it. Does that happen automatically? No, it happens as I talk to God. It also happens in fellowship with other people because those are all the ways in which God has designed life to be lived. See, the other, another lie or impurity is that somehow the expectation that God has for you is that you get enough resources and knowledge so that every time there's a problem, you know what to do. And the truth is, every time there's a, there's a problem or a need, that God has a resource, but it may not be something within your uh, 
knowledge. It may be asking somebody else. In fact, I would venture to say most times that's where it is. Because the goal of God is relationship. It's not self-sufficiency. If God had a goal of self-sufficiency that he didn't need to create, because God is self-sufficient, he doesn't need anybody else. He doesn't need anything else. But God's desire, the nature of his heart, is one of relationship, of being able to share. And so what I would invite you to do uh, is this. Sometimes the first place that we need to understand relationship is with ourselves. And so if you look at yourself and you think the, maybe the first thought that comes into your mind is the bad one, then I would invite you to, to bring that thought to God and say, God, would this be the first thought that you would have of me? And let me encourage you to maybe meditate on this passage in Jeremiah that he says, iniquities, I forgive. Things that are lacking are not the way I view you. I don't view you as someone who is needy in the sense that somehow I made you incomplete. I made you flawed. God did not make us flawed. We, we take on flaws when things get out of alignment. But in the original state, in the, in the state that God's heart of hearts wants to be relating to us, we are not flawed. We are treasured. And there is no one that he would rather be with than you. So what I would want you to do is maybe take a moment and think about, well, how do you view yourself? And, and maybe that's okay. And that's, I'm, praise God, that's wonderful. Then the second place is, how do you view other people? And that might be reflected back and maybe be more honest with how you view yourself. Because a lot of times the way that we view ourselves is reflected in the way we view other people. And if the, if the first thought you have about people is a negative one, then I would invite you to, to maybe spend some time with God and maybe with some other people that are safe and explore that. And the last thing I would advise you to do is who in your life, when I say, if there was one person that you would never want to see, comes to mind, then that is the person that I would advise you to have God help you with. Because we all have people that have hurt us, that we have uh, things that are certainly legitimate gripes. And that's the nature of God's forgiveness. 
that the things that I did against God, he had every right to punish. But instead, he, he chose to handle it in a different way. And that was a choice. He didn't have to do that. The other thing that we, about God is, God is never forced to do anything. God only does things out of his own will, which is the aspect of strength, right? That, that God will only do those things that he has determined to be good. And that's a choice. So I'm gonna invite you to, to take some time to, to think about that and then I'm gonna have the worship team come up and uh, just spend some time thinking about how much God loves you. And if you have trouble believing that, then I would invite you to tell God that. Because God wants you to be genuine. In fact, if you try to say things to God that are not really where you are, then he is not going to let you get away with it. That he will continue to say, is that really true? Is that really where you are? And not in, a, not in a condemning sense, not in a sense to try to make you feel little, but in a sense of, I don't want you to live there anymore because that's not where I designed you to be. So why don't we take a, a, a minute or so and then uh, we'll uh, enter in a, in a time of worship together.